explain deaths and mysteries with Deborah Davis. Welcome back, everybody. So pleased to have you listening to our wonderful, fantastic podcast. Um, Today's case isn't a murder. It's not really an unexplained death. This is one of life's big mysteries. So without further ado, I'm also just going to welcome Ian to to this week's episode as always hi ian how are you today hi debbie i'm really good good to see you again really looking forward to this uh, this very perplexing case mm, it's yeah it's very very sad on the one hand um it it's definitely a tragedy but it does bring with it i think some really good evidence of life existing beyond death. Here is the story. So, Jennifer Grosbeck was driving home to Springville in Utah in the USA. She'd been visiting her parents in Salem, which is also in Utah, and she had taken her 18-month-old little girl, Lily, with her. Jennifer, on her way home from her parents' house, lost control of her car. I think it was on a bend. And the car plunged into the icy waters of the Spanish Fork River. A fisherman came upon the vehicle around about noon the next day. And this would be probably around 14 hours or so after the car had actually initially gone into the water. Obviously, the fisherman um, rang the emergency services straight away. Um, when the first responders came out, now that this was, um, I believe, four police officers, two firefighters, I think. I know there was around six of them anyway. And when they first arrived, they could see absolutely no signs of life from the vehicle. The vehicle was in the water. It was quite submerged as well, actually, but part of the car was still just out of the water. Um, As they went over towards the car, you know, they got closer to it. They, They managed to make out a figure inside. And of course, then... They thought, wow, we need to, you know, we need to move on this. We need to need to get this car out of the water. We need to see who's inside and rescue them. Um, it was at this point where they've gone up towards the car that they hear a voice. And this is a female voice. And it was quite a soft voice. And the words were, help me, we're in here. Obviously, I think it was said with a little bit of desperation, you know, not quite the way that I've just put it, but help me, we're in here. Those were the words. Those words were heard by everyone in attendance at that scene. Absolutely everyone that was there, those first responders, mixture of police and firemen. I've also got to say that Chad, who was Jennifer's dad, he had woken up that morning. So this is this is obviously the day after the actual, you know, crash, if you want to call it, that's happened. Chad had woken up that morning, her dad, feeling as though something was wrong. 
He couldn't call his daughter because her mobile phone was broken. But he felt so uneasy that he actually got in his car and he made the journey over to her house. Obviously, she wasn't there. And then he still felt that something wasn't right. So he started to drive to places that he thought she might be. And when he still couldn't find her, he started to make his way back towards his own home. Of course, as he did that, he came upon the crash site. And I think he realised in no time at all that that was his daughter's car. He could see, obviously, all of the people there, etc., etc. And he desperately tried to get right through, you know, that what would be kind of a scene of absolute horror. You know, people obviously all gathered together in that car. They were attempting to try and drag it out of the water. He desperately wanted to get to his daughter and his granddaughter, but obviously he couldn't. Now, there were quite a few interviews done at the time regarding this case. And the first responders have featured in in quite a few of those interviews where they have all sat together and they've all said that they all heard that voice that day. What's really uncanny is that in actual fact, Jennifer, the mum of little Lily, who was 18 months old, had died the day before when the crash actually happened. So when the first responders arrived, Jennifer was not alive and she had been dead for some hours. The first responders, they noticed that the little girl in the back, she wasn't fully submerged in water, but they noticed that her eyes were moving. She wasn't breathing, but there were some some signs of life. I think one of the responders actually said, we could tell there was still some life in her. She was only 18 months old. She couldn't possibly have shouted for help at 18 months old. And she wasn't breathing. The little girl was successfully retrieved from the car. And although she spent a few days in hospital, she made a full recovery. She has a fantastic family around her who will raise her to be very loved, very cared about. And she will know all about her mum as her life goes on. This is just one of life's terrible, awful tragedies. But somehow, somehow her mum managed to cross the dimensions of time, having died at least 12 to 14 hours earlier, to alert those first responders to her daughter and ask for help. It's really absolutely quite baffling to most people. Not to me, obviously, because I spend my entire life trying to show people that life does go on beyond death. Unexplained deaths and mysteries with Deborah Davis. So here we are, Ian. What do you think about this case? And can we find a reasonable explanation as to how they heard that female voice crying out for help. Well, Debbie, um, as you were going through that um, incredible 
account, um, it started for me to reflect on, as a police officer, some of the harrowing events that I um, encountered. And I always remember one specific one in which a, a baby died in, in a house fire and um, the fire officers brought the baby out and the baby was clearly dead. But even with all my training in the world, and I think very often people think of police officers and fire officers and first responders of having had their humanity detached so that it can be cool and calm and collected. But the reality is that we are all human beings. And Lucy, my my daughter, um, she was only six months at the time. And I remember looking at this baby thinking that could be my daughter. I also remember um, accidentally uh, one of the paramedics opened the back of the ambulance and I actually saw the, the remains of the baby inside the ambulance. And I thought, this is, this is so wrong. And I so wanted that dead baby to talk to me. So I think I'd, I'd like to sort of frame that first of all, that when people think of first responders as detached human beings, they ain't. They, they've got a, a certain level of, of training and experience. I get that. But I suppose in terms of an explanation, what I'd like to do, first of all, if it meets with your approval, is let's listen to some of those first responders. I think that would be really important before we start to unpick perhaps some of the explanations. So uh, let's have a listen now. Tyler, when you arrived on scene, what did you do? We heard something saying, help us, help us inside. And so it was at that point that we you know, said we have to get in that car now. And, and we all, uh, the four of us, were able to push the car on its side. And that's when I looked inside and was able to see uh, the child infant strapped in the back seat. So you actually heard a voice calling out, help me. Do, do, I mean, do you know who, who that was? You know, at first we didn't know if it was someone inside the car, if it was uh, what that voice was. We, we assumed, or I assumed that it was someone in the car saying, help me. That's why we responded saying, uh, we're trying, we're going to get inside and help you, we're doing the best we can. Uh, and that was just extra motivation and uh, to get inside the car and, and figure out who was in there. Uh, it wasn't until after we flipped it that we saw uh, the mother, uh, who we know now was deceased at the time, and, and the child was in the back seat. And so it wasn't until after the early process and uh, we got together and we all heard the same, you know, voice. And, and Jared, you, you heard that voice as well? Yes, I did. Um... Like Officer Beddoes has said, more than one of us, of the four officers that were there, responded back saying, we're here to help. When Lily was finally freed from the wreck, um, what condition was she in? I could tell she had some life in her. I could see her eyes moving. She wasn't breathing at that time. Um, things went so quickly um, that I just handed her up out of the car as fast as I could to get her, get her out and get her into the proper hands. So she wasn't conscious, she wasn't crying or anything like that? No, no. I'm really intrigued by this, this voice you heard, and I, I mean, I guess it's something of a mystery to you at this point. I mean, do you think it's possible it came, what was, is it possible the mother was still alive when, when you guys came on scene, or what, what, what do you make of it? For two nights, I've, I've laid awake trying to figure out exactly, you know, what it could be and so many things go through your mind. But uh, all I know is that it, it was there. Um, we all heard it and, and uh, that just helped us to push us harder, like I say, and, 
and do what we could to rescue anyone inside the car. Wow, I have to say that the conviction of those wonderful human beings is compelling. Um, and I guess first reflections is that how on earth could, first of all, all of those first responders make it up? Second of all, how every one of those would hear the same voice. Um, but I'm a criminologist, remember, so I'm going to look at a different explanation, first of all, and then we'll unpick that alongside perhaps other explanations. But there is um, a phenomenon uh, called collective hysteria. It's very rare, but nonetheless, it has been documented and it's a spontaneous outbreak of untypical abnormal behaviour that may engage with, amongst other things, collective hallucinations. And very often the trigger point is something really, really horrific. And, you know, I go back to the example I gave a little earlier on. Um, I was so terrified that it could be my daughter. I, I couldn't even cry. And being a police officer at the scene probably wasn't the, the right thing to do. But I was so distraught at seeing this, 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 this baby. So that, if... You know, a number of people saw the same trigger point. What this phenomenon is is suggesting is that uh, very often people can feel and exhibit the same experiences, even though they're individuals. And perhaps a good example of the reaction to this uh, collective hysteria um, is that the reaction of radio listeners um, to the Orson Welles broadcast based on the H.G. Wells book, the War of the Worlds in 1938, when um, listeners were so convinced that the Earth was under attack by UFOs that thousands believing that took to the streets and there was hysteria and panic. So that's different, though. To that's different, though. To four police officers and two firefighters all hearing a female voice say please help or help me, we're in here. That's totally different, isn't it? They weren't expecting. They they didn't, they couldn't see any signs of life, Ian. They were not going to try and remove the car from the water at that moment. They were going to call for equipment. It was only because they all heard that voice say, help me, we're in here, that they literally went straight into the water, to the vehicle, to, to get it out and to turn it over, because it was actually upside down, apparently. Um, and that was the only reason that they did that, because they all heard it, because they thought, somebody's alive in there. Because up until that point, they couldn't see anyone alive. They, they thought there was no signs of life at all. I think that is... Um piece of evidence is is worthy of, of further exploration because you're absolutely right Debbie that if I turned up as a police officer to a scene of a submerged vehicle um, and there was evidence it recently submerged because if a car hits the water there'll be steam there'll be oil there'll, there'll be evidence that that vehicle has just hit the uh, hit the water I would perhaps be more compelled to um, enter the water and uh, seek to see if anyone's in the car. But from what you said in your earlier narrative is that that car had been in the water for ages. So as a police officer attending that scene, I would not, I would call for a recovery. I would 
not assume that there are living human beings in there. So I think that point is 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 difficult for me to remedy that why would those officers go anywhere near it unless they had mm. you know the only reason that they did was because they heard that voice and coincidentally when they did manage to get to little lily she wasn't breathing but her eyes were moving and apparently there that was just like one of the very few bits of signs of life. It sounds as though they have minutes, minutes to actually save her life. If that voice hadn't have happened when it did, then Lily probably would not be with us today. I think that a parent's love for their child is so strong that it, it, it will make somebody so de- so determined, can't get my words out, so determined that they will be powerful enough to cross the dimensions of time and do everything within their power to save their child. This is where you meet the sort of fork in the road with a traditional thinking. And, um, mm. you know, I've been called in traditional thinking as, as, a, as an ex-police officer and a criminologist you look at the facts and as Chris said in a previous um, podcast you come up with a theory you know a working theory mm-hmm. and I have to say on this particular case uh, Debbie I am stumped because I think that you quite rightly looked at the collective hysteria explanation but mm. even though I don't I don't think that fits no. I don't I, no I'll be quite honest with you I, I don't think that fits it it, it really doesn't mm. and also the fact that that vehicle had been in the water for a considerable amount of time you know an officer would not jump in can, can you imagine that every time you come across something in the water that's been there for ages officers start jumping in at their own risk mm-hmm. that 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 never mm-hmm. happens operationally that that's foolish and that would be frowned upon there there are videos um available out there that you can see about this case which are the first responders um cams that that they were wearing you know that day so you can actually see them there scrabbling they they weren't wearing waterproofs or anything they literally just come out they weren't going to be getting in the water they weren't going to be trying to turn that car over at that point. Six of them, that's all, you know, that was there. A whole car submerged in water. Well, apart from the little bit. Little Lily was in an air pocket, apparently. Uh, you know, the top half of her. And um, and it's you can see them with the, the, you know, the cams that they're wearing, the little cameras that they're wearing. You can see them scrambling because they heard that voice. Just only because they heard that voice. I would love all the doubting Thomases that are out there that don't believe, oh, I've got to see it, you know, before I believe it. I always, I always think when people say that, well, you can't see Wi-Fi, but you believe it exists. You can't see electricity, but you do believe it exists. You know, you can't see gas, but, you know, you believe it exists, etc. Um, I would like them to step forward and leave a comment on my social media and say the explanation for that. I would really, I, I welcome it, in fact. Come and leave a comment for me. <laughs> I'm sure they were. I suppose the, the comment from me, Debbie, is 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 when you showed, you know, 
the circumstance of this case, I'm thinking, oh, I'm a clever criminologist. I'm going to sort of come up with this theory. But on this occasion, you've truly got me stumped on this. And I suppose I want to park that for a moment because like you, I share a curiosity that if I don't understand things, I want to talk about them some more. And you spoke on a previous podcast, I think it was the first podcast that we did, that very often human emotions can almost be absorbed by the fabric around us. I want to better understand then how you talk about the dimensions of time. How, how does that how does that work? I'm, I'm, I'm really struggling. I, I, I want to know, you know, I, I want to go down that avenue and explore it some more. But, you know, uh, how, how does that work? How, how does someone who is clearly dead, because we know that no one would survive for that long in a submerged vehicle, how is that emotion able to remain there and be that powerful? They knew as soon as they um, found the mum in the car, they the first responders, they knew she'd been gone a long time. You know, there are ways, aren't there, to tell. You know, you can tell. And they knew she'd been gone. They knew that wasn't her that spoke. Well, it wasn't the alive version of her that spoke. Um, the only thing I can ever tell you is what I um, know from my own experiences of, of being born a medium and growing up with a mother that was also a medium. And um, something that, that I actually am quite interested in is the communication uh, with spirits, with ghosts. And I'm not the first person, obviously, to be interested in that. Um, there have been a lot of scientists over the years that have been very interested, especially in the Victorian era, um, some very big inventors and scientists that tried to communicate with spirits. Um, and what I can tell you is that a spirit or ghost, whatever you want to call them, um, they still have the ability to think, to speak, definitely. Um, they have emotions, the same as we do here on, on this side. The only thing I would say from my experiences that their thinking pattern is slightly different. It's almost as though they become... <clears throat> sorry, clearing my throat. I think I've got hay fever. They, they become quite focused on the smallest little details of things. And so if something upsets them, they become very, very focused on it. Whereas here on the earth plane, alive, we wouldn't get so hung up on that little thing. My communication with them, if I ask them a question, for instance, about their death, they always refuse to answer. They don't want to talk about the death. They never want to talk about their death. It's few and far between that, that will. And it's usually only in the setting where I'm actually reading for one of their relatives that they will talk about their death. And that will be very brief. But communi communicating with spirits and ghosts, for instance, this office, we all know how haunted this is because, my God, you know, my followers have heard, heard so much in here, live streams and, and everything. We all, we all know. Um, 
they they will not talk about their death at all and they're very I don't I don't know if they are ruled by somebody who says that they can't divulge very much about the afterlife but they're very hesitant to talk about it that's what I've discovered so I do know that they do have the ability to use their voice and have it heard absolutely 100% driving home driving well sorry not home to pick my kids up once from school and I heard a voice say slow down Debbie in a disembodied voice I was on my own in the car I then I never go fast anyway but I did slow right down like 20 miles an hour as I turned left round a corner an elderly gentleman fell tripped on the pavement and fell onto my car that that was clearly like an angelic warning which saved that man's life so disembodied voices, they, they do exist. They, they happen, they exist. I know it's weird, I know, but they exist. Unexplained deaths and mysteries with Deborah Davis. I remember um, writing about ghosts. That's one of the first articles I think that, uh, that, that you read. And I started off from the position is, I don't believe in them. There's a logical explanation, yeah. And, and I write about stuff that puzzles me, intrigues me, bewilders me. And I put it out to a few people, uh, friends on Facebook. I said, basically, I think ghosts are a load of nonsense. And I was private messaged by loads of people. And around about three quarters of them were ex-police colleagues. Wow. And they said, and they said we've seen ghosts. We've experienced ghosts. And I asked them to share their stories with them. So I started off that journey with ghosts, not believing in them. Mm. And you know how that piece concludes, because yeah. I conclude that they do exist. I don't know what they are, but I'm convinced that ghosts exist. So that transition from mainstream thinking, and, and the, like, like I say, that there was more police officers who you think, generally speaking, have got, you know, a more of a, a logical mainstream, take-no-nonsense approach they disclosed to me very many, um, you know, compelling examples of, of, of ghosts existing. So I've come to the conclusions, conclusion, uh, beg your pardon, that um, ghosts exist. I, I don't know what they are, and I, and I, but really, I guess from this particular investigation, Debbie, which is very specific for me, is that emotion, that emotion of a, a mother or a parent to protect their child that seems to be a trigger point, certainly from my own research into the area of ghosts, that that imprint doesn't dissolve, go away, dissipate on death. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. They still feel emotion. They still demonstrate that emotion. They still are very much linked to the people that they loved here on this side of life. It, it literally is that life does just quite simply go on beyond death. But obviously, they are in a different dimension to us. We live in a three-dimensional world. I don't know if it's the fourth dimension or the fifth or the sixth. Or the, I have no idea. I don't know. Um, maybe over the course of time, we might learn more about that. But they are definitely in a different dimension. And when you see an orb of light... People say, oh, it's dust. Well, I'm, I must just say this for the dust brigade, that, that there will be some of the dust brigade listening. Um, 
I do not see why a minuscule piece of dust should suddenly morph into the size of an average tennis ball just because it's on camera when absolutely nothing else changes size whatsoever at all. I do think that an orb is spirit, but I also think that because it's coming from a different dimension in time and you are looking at that orb with through three-dimensional eyes, if you like, you're seeing a distorted view of its true form. If that orb of light was, say, from the fifth or the sixth, or, yes, the fourth dimension, you're not, you're not capable of seeing its true form without going into quantum physics. <laughs> but you're not. You're not capable of seeing it in its true form. There we go. So that's just one for you, Dust Brigade listeners. <laughs> Debbie, I, I, I've lost count of the how many minutes we've been talking now. But th- this is fascinating. But I, I realise we're going to have to bring this to to a, some form of conclusion. I know. I, I, what what I'd like what I'd like to say is, uh, in my previous life as a dismissive, wizened, ex cop who was schooled in in logic, I I have to say on this occasion, Debbie, that uh, this particular case. Is supernatural. I, I, I and you know, I, I can see all my mates now, my ex cops, uh, friends. And I, I, I met one the other day. Uh, I was going to the football, and I parked my car outside his house. And he said, "I love those podcasts. Keep them coming." Um, but yeah, I'm going to say that in terms of my own research into ghosts, and I'd welcome other people to to look at what I've written um, on this occasion. There is something supernatural about this event. But the question I, is on my lips is. What do you say? You talked about the Dust Brigade, but what do you say to these people that psychics, clairvoyants take advantage of people in cases like this? I mean, you've you've got me convinced on this one, but how do you deal with that? Unfortunately, you know, there are people out there who aren't genuine. You know, they're not real. They profess to be, but they're not. And I would always say, do you know something? If you... If you come across a genuine psychic, medium, whatever label you want to give to us, they will have a considerable amount of followers. And there's a reason for that. And it's because their ability has been proven time and time and time and time again to be genuine. And the fakes and the frauds that are out there, they don't build a genuine following from reading for people you know they don't because they're a fake and a fraud and you'll also find that they're the ones that approach you always be wary of a so-called psychic or medium who is approaching you because genuine ones literally have got enough on their plate with literally hundreds and thousands of people you know, all needing them in their life for one reason or another. And and they will never approach you in a million years. You, you know, literally, it's that's the way that it is. So, but people who don't believe just flatly just do not believe in the afterlife. They don't believe in, you know, the supernatural, psychics, mediums or anything else. I would just say, well, it's a great shame because actually you are missing out on exploring and discovering a whole world that actually really does exist. Debbie, thank you. I think, I think finally for me, what um, 
sort of comes across to me is that I think mainstream sort of science and, and, and culture and certainly my training out as a police officer was to focus on, you know, how things have happened and what's gone on. I think the older I get and the more of our conversations, I like to focus on why it's happening. As police, as police officers, you said you, you used to focus on, you know, how something happened and what happened, but now you think you should focus really on why. Actually, you... As police officers, focusing on how something happened, you only tend to look at just this very narrow, closed mind of, well, the door wasn't broken down, therefore nobody broke in. Um, That doesn't mean that there wasn't an extra person in that property. They just could have slid through the door unnoticed and you need to have just a more open mind that's what I'm saying you don't need to change your your way of thinking you know of what happened it's just the fact of the doors closed therefore boom boom that's it nobody nobody broke in well I say different <laughs> well I'm looking forward to not only the comments that your followers are going to give on the particular <laughs> podcast but I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to the feedback from my ex-colleagues and, oh, uh, no. and what have you on this one so Debbie I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this one and I think this is the first podcast where I've been seriously sort of you know having to come down to this was more than logic this was some form of supernatural and if people laugh at how my mind has changed, you know, over the years from knowing me when I was in the police. Please read my piece on ghosts because it does show that journey from a, I think it a lot of old rubbish to crikey, there's summer out there. I, I, I can't explain exactly what it is, but to dismiss, I think is folly. Mm, you're right. Well, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we have had a fabulous time recording these podcasts, haven't we, And it's just been such an amazing journey. Yeah, I'm exhausted. I think I need a, a, a lay down, Debbie. <laughs> That's working with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. I bet inside he's thinking, yeah, actually, it really is. I need a holiday, definitely. Anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we will be back with you soon. Please don't forget to follow and subscribe to our podcast please tell your friends about us or share a link for it to your social media etc and come and look on my facebook page and instagram and ian's on instagram and facebook as well ian kirk k-i-r-k-e and uh yeah drop us a comment let us know you know what you think and i think you'll find ian on twitter you won't find me on that it's a world of hate for a psychic (laughs) thanks for joining everybody take care we will see you soon bye